0: Let us continue our worship by the reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And I'm supposed to say, this is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone.
1: We're glad that you're here. If we've not met, my name's Josh. Um, Chris is out, and Scott, as we heard earlier, um, is having some health complications. So let's continue to keep him in your prayers. Um, this morning, I'm excited we're going to continue with our series on the Holy Spirit. This will be week two, so if you have missed last week, we're still kind of just jumping into this. Um, and last week, Pastor Chris gave us a great introduction to help us start thinking about the Holy Spirit. Um, regardless of your upbringing, you probably have some form of some, some idea of what the Holy Spirit means. Maybe that's a real positive thing for you, and maybe that's a mm, not-so-sure-about-it thing for you. <laughs> Um, So today we're going to kind of take a deeper dive into that, um, mostly looking at Scripture, right? Because we are people of the book. We're going to let that define for us what we think and what we believe. Um, So let's read a Scripture, then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. This is Acts 2, uh, verses 1 through 21, so it's kind of a long passage, but just hang in. Uh, So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they... Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come into this house this morning, to lift up your name, to worship you. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Would you speak to our hearts, Lord? Would you reveal the true essence, the fullness of who you are? Um, Lord, that you would just speak truth, um, come be with us and speak through me, say below and may be. in Jesus name. Amen. So, this portion of scripture we just read, kind of this second chapter of Acts thing, is, is kind of like the scripture when it comes to the Holy Spirit, right? If, if anyone talks about the Holy Spirit in the modern church, usually it starts with second chapter of Acts. I mean, there is, even if you've been around a while, there was a band, I think back in the 70s, called Second Chapter of Acts, right? So, it's kind of a, you should listen to it, it's good stuff. Um, but, but it's interesting to note, actually, that a large portion of, of that second chapter of Acts Scripture is actually quoting Joel, right? Which is an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Joel, ironically also in chapter 2. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Everything from levitating tongues of fire to speaking in tongues to signs and wonders. And, and we will get there. But for today... Let's focus not so much on the fact that the disciples were speaking in tongues. Let's, let's you know, put aside the fire for just a second, and let's pay attention to what the disciples were saying. Right? So they're speaking in tongues. Well, what's their message? According to Scripture, their message is they are proclaiming the mighty works of God right there's there's the only reason that people are confused in that scripture is cuz they're going wait a minute these dudes are galileans we know that they probably don't speak any of our native languages and yet we're hearing the mighty works of god proclaimed in our native tongue and so then what happens right if we read the rest of the chapter we find out that the result of their their witnessing their proclaiming the mighty works of god is that 3000 people get saved and baptized in one day Y'all, 3,000 people. Look, I don't know how many is in here. Maybe like 50, 75, right? I I don't know that I've ever been. Maybe some of you have. I've never been that I know of in a church service where there are even 3,000 people in the service. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking out here at the corner of Starbucks and proclaiming just the works and the mighty works of God and 3,000 people just traffic jammed, the world shut? I mean, that... That's what happened here, right? They're in this upper room. They walk out onto the street. They're speaking in in other tongues the mighty works of God in 3,000 people. It's not like, you know, and there's probably people still on the fringes that walk by like, what are they saying? I I don't know. I can't get with that, right? There's 3,000 people that heard it. It changed their lives, and they committed to the point of baptism in one day. We want to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do? What is the power of the Holy Spirit? That's it. That's it right there, right? It's, it's proclaiming the works of God and bringing people to salvation. So last week, Chris concluded his message with the statement, The church is called the body of Christ. And just as your body is dead without your spirit, so too the church is dead without the animating, empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit acting and moving within her. Right? Right? We, we, we have sort of this physical temple, sometimes people call it, right? Or a temple of flesh. And, y'all, we've got medical technology. We can keep this thing alive, breathing, heart pumping, and going, hooked up to machines for a long, for a long while. But if there's not a spirit, right, present in the body, we're missing something, right? And so, too, the church, without God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, living and dwelling and guiding and bringing life to the church, we're, we're missing something. It's like Chris sometimes says, it's kind of a boring hobby, right? If, if Christianity and coming to church on a Sunday morning is your hobby, man, get a better one. (laughs) But, but, but if you're into, if you're into connecting with the creator, Lord almighty, if you're into building a body of fellowship with fellow believers, man, we need the spirit of God to do that. So, every scripture we've read so far this morning has pointed to the Holy Spirit's empowering effect on people. And the Isaiah scripture that we read before worship, was a prophecy about God putting his spirit on Jesus, right? And there's kind of three, three keynotes that come out of that. It says, I'll put my spirit on him, and he'll bring forth justice, he'll open blind eyes, and he'll bring out prisoners from the dungeon. Are those good things? Does, does, that, does that give some hope? Right. So then after, after worship, just a minute ago, we read a scripture in Luke. Um, and it's actually, Jesus is reading Isaiah again, but it's Isaiah 61 this time. And again, he's, it's God pouring out his spirit on Jesus to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, give sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor right so that's that's great stuff right this is god god the father prophesying saying i'm going to pour out my spirit the essence of who i am my power my strength into jesus my son right and so it's it's a little bit weird sometimes if we think about that if we if we understand the trinity god the father jesus the son and the holy spirit i'm going to pour out part of who i am on the other part of who i am right But I think really that points to Jesus being fully man on the earth and still having a need for God's spirit, being fully man and fully God. The fully God part comes by God pouring out his spirit on Jesus, right? So what's different and meaningful about the Joel prophecy that comes out of that Acts 2, right, what Peter's quoting there, is that this time it's not God pouring out his spirit on Jesus. He's not pouring out his spirit sort of on himself this time. It's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. All flesh. And you say, all flesh. Well, you know, at that time, in the patriarchal society they lived in, maybe all flesh means just, just men, right? Or like the religious, maybe maybe it means like all the Pharisees. No, and, and to make sure that there's no confusion, he goes further. And he says, on your sons, and on your daughters, and on your male servants, and on your female servants. You see when God pours out his spirit there's no gender preference. And when God pours out his spirit there's no socioeconomic preference. When God pours out his spirit it is all people. So if God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh and has done so, right? If 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 Peter says this is that, the day of Pentecost experience is that God has now poured out his spirit on all flesh. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, Jesus says in Acts one eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, so God pours out his spirit and that equals power. That's pretty cool. Power to do what though? <laughs> right, what, what, what kind of power? What are we supposed to do with the power of God's spirit poured out on us? Well, let's look back at the, uh, the, the Acts scripture here, a portion of it. It says, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire vapor of smoke the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood now some of you are looking at me right now going wait a minute are you saying if we got to get with the holy spirit then that means we got to like turn stuff to blood and set it on fire and turn it to smoke and some of you are going you mean we get to do that like yeah well Let's start with what, or rather, who is the Holy Spirit? And I think we'll we'll get to the answer to those questions. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a him, right? We've already said he's the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what does spirit mean? Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines spirit as an animating or vital principle held to give life to physical organisms, right? So that's kind of that natural sense we talked about. A body, imagine a body hooked up to ventilators and heart pumps. I don't know, I'm not medical, but there's machines keeping the body alive, right? The spirit is the essence of life. That's the character, the mind, the will, the emotions, right? What's what's bring that to life. What's interesting is the second definition that merriam websters gives says a supernatural being or essence such as the Holy Spirit. So really what we have when we say the Holy Spirit isn't fire, isn't tongues, isn't whatever signs and wonders that the Bible gives us illustration of. Do those things accompany the Holy Spirit sometimes? Yep, absolutely. It, we, we can't ignore, if we're going to ignore that part of the Bible, then you know, how do we decide what, what fits in and what, what doesn't, right? If we say we're people of the book, we have to sit with that to some degree. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is. That doesn't define who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God the Father. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Everything that you think that you know, everything that scripture tells us about the character of God, who God is, who raises up man from the dust and breathes life into him, who sent his only begotten son to die for us because he loves us so much. It's that, the essence of that person's being. That is the Holy Spirit. So moving forward with that understanding now, guys, you don't get to tell that spirit what to do. It's kind of, kind of insane to think about, you know, if we've defined that as the Holy Spirit, that all of a sudden we're going to take that spirit and we're going to like wield it around like a weapon or like, you know, like Luke Skywalker, like with the force, Absolutely not, right? The essence, the being, the core, the the character of God Almighty, the only response we can have to the Holy Spirit coming on us is to yield. To yield our will to His will. To say, Holy Spirit, come on me and have your way, have your will in me. Right? So let's look at Acts 1-8 again. Let's look at the whole scripture. Jesus speaking here, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, yes or no? That, that prophecy right there is fulfilled immediately in the next chapter, Acts 2. Right? So, so he is their witnesses, and what's neat about it is there's absolutely an element of go, go to the ends of the earth physically, geographically, and be the witnesses. But what's really neat is God kind of gives them like a, like a plus, like a one-up, and goes, check it out. I brought the extents of the nations of the earth to you, and then I, through my spirit, spoke their language so that you were be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, bam, in one day, in one moment. And the fruit of that is 3,000 people being saved. So there's, there almost always seems to be like a here and now, and then like a secondary and, and larger scale fulfillment of what God says he's going to do through his spirit. It's, just, it's neat. It's exciting, isn't it? So it seems, if we look at this, that the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon, or, or as Joel says, being poured out on the church, is so that we can be his God's witnesses to the earth. Now, that doesn't sound so scary, right? We're, we're past the blood and the fire and the vapor of smoke. We're just, we're just going to be witnesses, right? Sounds like something we can sign up for. Be a witness for Jesus, you know, telling people about what he's done in our lives and how much he loves them and what he wants to do for them. So where does all this kind of weird stuff that you may have encountered in your life, in your journey with the Holy Spirit? Where, where does all this stuff that kind of puts people off, where does that come from? Is it people just making that stuff up, or how, how do we get there? Well, it seems, first of all, that we as humans tend to have a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. Nobody in here does that. But <laughs> it would have been funnier if we had Davida and, and the acting up company sitting here. Um, we, we tend to be captivated by things that kind of go beyond our understanding. So I googled the top ten grossing movies of all time. And if you look at that list, top ten, right? You've got, uh, you've got Avatar, you've got three different Avengers movies, you've got Spider-Man and Star Wars. Totally normal, totally just, you know, a guy out plowing his field in the Midwest kind of movie, Right? No, absolutely not, right? It's, those, those movies are like the pinnacle of human imagination, of what sort of otherworldly power we can potentially come bring, bring to ourselves and then wield around and do stuff with, right? Honestly, guys, I, I think that's just kind of part of human nature. And we, we see it in the Bible, too. That's not, it's not a new thing. That's not a, you know, kids these days kind of a thing, right? Let's look, let's look at Matthew 12, 38-41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Does that sound familiar? But he answered them, he says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Which is greater, a miracle or the one who does the miracle? The one who does the miracle, right? What Jesus is saying here, and the reason he rebukes the Pharisees, is because they're looking for the sign. They're going, hey, turn some water into wine, Jesus. Make some limbs grow back, Jesus. Raise the dead, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I am fully God, fully man, the fulfillment of, at that point, 4,000 years of recorded history of prophecies being fulfilled. And they're like, hey, man, do a trick. <laughs> I mean, how petty, right? And, and a little bit like how, how disrespectful, kind of how dangerous it is to have that level of regard for the spirit of God. Also in Acts 8, 9 through 22 uh, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself, he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest thing. this man is the power of God that is called great. Wow. Dude's doing magic tricks, right? And they're, they're, they are putting deity on him. They're saying this is the power of God. And they, so... Um, they paid attention to him because for a long time he'd amazed them with his magic. But when, he, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news... So the people in the town, Philip's come and preached the good news. And the people of town have believed Philip. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They, the people of the town, were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself, so the, the magician now, the sorcerer has believed... We can't buy. The the, the Holy Spirit is not a parlor trick. It's not a magic trick. It's not something to buy so that we can show off to our friends or worse yet, try to get people to follow us. I think really the crux of the situation is that whether you're sort of in the camp that's captivated by signs and wonders and you go, man, that is so cool. That's the power of God. Let's more of that, please. Or whether you're in the camp that's like... No, man, that's kind of weird. (laughs) Can't we just, you know, Father, Son, and and the Holy Bible? You know, and the Holy Ghost, he can just hang out over there. The Holy Spirit is not signs and wonders, right? He may use signs and wonders, but he's so much more than that. Again, reiterating, he is the Spirit of God. God the Father, Abba Father, who created life, who, who provides his Son as a sacrifice for us. So Paul, I feel like, sort of brings all this together um, in Galatians. Let's look at Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. What Spirit are we talking about here? The Holy Spirit, right? Right? I lost my place. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So where I want us to get today, and, and, and there's, there's several more weeks of the Holy Spirit that Chris is going to get into and unpack, but, but let's, let's look at today as sort of a foundation. Where do we start? We as the church with the Holy Spirit, right? I think that we don't, we certainly don't want to start by casting him out, by keeping him at arm's length, right? But also, let's not start with the Holy Spirit as defining him only in terms of signs and wonders and supernatural things that, that maybe attract us, but we don't fully understand. Let's start with what scripture says really the purpose of the Holy Spirit is for to equip and empower us as the church to, first of all, Walk in the power of the fruit of the Spirit, not according to our flesh. So you could say the first role, role of the Holy Spirit is to wage war against your flesh, against your natural tendencies towards sin, towards wickedness. You yield to the Holy Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me today. Fill me up with your, your strength, your power. Speak to me minute by minute. When I, when I get tempted to do that thing, or I get tempted to curse that person who cut me off and tried, whatever the deal is, right? Putting on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and responding to that person as God would respond to them, rather than as you and your natural spirit would respond to them. I think that's kind of like role one for the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And then role two is to be a witness, right? To, to proclaim the goodness, the mighty works of God. To people who are lost and need to hear it. Again, we see in Acts 2, right? There's fire and there's, there's speaking in tongues and there's some cool stuff that I'm not saying is bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't understand that and, and, and get into and understand the gifts of the Spirit. But ultimately, what was that for? Was that so that the apostles could say, Look at us, look how cool we are speaking in tongues? And man, did you see? Well, I didn't see fire on his head. So I'm not so sure. Absolutely not, right? The whole deal was to equip the body of believers in that place to go forth and to proclaim the mighty works of God unto salvation of 3,000 people in a single day. Wow. Sorry, I'm hitting the pulpit and stuff's falling out of it. (laughs) So as we close today and move into our week, let's put our focus into living by the Spirit, right? Yielding to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, And walking in step with him and the fruit of that spirit rather than yielding to our flesh. In the coming weeks, Chris is going to get into tongues and prophecy and signs of wonders and all the stuff that accompanies the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's cool and that's awesome. You know, these things are in scripture, right? That's where we get this from. We don't make this up. And so we're going to look at it as it sits in scripture but let's not allow that to either distract us because we chase it or to put us off from the reality of who the Holy Spirit is, his power in our lives. Let's stand.